Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Polk. How are you doing today, Will? Doing very, very well. Happy Mother's Day to all our m- moms and aunts and grandmothers, etc., who are who are celebrating this day. Yeah, happy Mother's Day. I always it always feels like a weird day for me because um, my all of, that's when the graduation day is. So oh, yeah. I graduated from college on this day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> four years ago. So it's it's yeah. always like I'm always focused on other things when I think about uh, all of the celebrations that are going on. And but. yeah, yeah, here it's just like with uh, all the universities here in the metro area with uh, UNC Chapel Hill, Duke, NC State, Central. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like all right. Don't even between the holiday and graduations, don't even bother trying to like go anywhere to like eat <laughs> because right. everything is like locked down for uh for the for the weekend. That's crazy. Yeah. So you've been paying attention to some of the news going on this weekend then. Yeah. Um lay it on me. What's happening? What yeah. should we know about? What should you know about? Well, let's see, yesterday uh, we posted a stuff to our social media platforms just a good a rundown of like all the cancellations as the seasons are uh, coming to an end mm-hmm. up, up fronts are coming this week got quite, got a lot of response from folks on on the various shows i guess as far as genre specific shows uh, of course the gifted was canceled sometime back another fox show the passage was yep. uh, was canceled i know you watched it some i had intended to do so but it just never made it onto my it's onto my viewing screen, and I guess now, if I do ever watch it, it'll just be just the first season. But um, other <laughs> shows that got the axe were like Murphy Brown and uh, several others. Um, but also, other shows were renewed, like uh, The Orville. I, I know, uh, mm-hmm. just seeing on our timelines, uh, a lot of folks really enjoy that show. And, and also, Fresh Off the Boat was renewed. And the reason why I just bring that one up is uh, Constance Wu's uh, meltdown on Twitter when she saw the news that the show had been renewed and contrast that with the cast of This Is Us that uh, got three seasons today, four through six, uh, in their renewal today. And I haven't seen anybody have a fuck it meltdown yet, so I guess they're happy about that. But, uh, yeah, Constance, yeah, she, she was not happy that the show was renewed and then she explained herself that it was because it was cutting up off other opportunities, which is interesting given that, uh, you know, our, one of our favorites, uh, Arrow is coming to an end uh, later this year. And I guess I know Steven talked about that very thing when he was on, uh, with uh, Michael Rosenbaum about, uh, how long seasons do interfere with op- other opportunities that the actors have. And of course, with the finale coming up with Emily Betts, uh, end as a regular, um, you know, that, that sort of, is you know panned out there as well right it's it's something that people often forget about is that when they're shooting they're shooting like only a few weeks before we actually see it or months but still it has to go through editing and stuff post-production so they're constantly working and the longer the season the more they're required to be on those sets i mean jared and jensen pedal um from Supernatural often talk about how, well, early on when they were first doing Supernatural, they would pop up in horror movies. Well, the horror movies shoot in the summer. It's a quick turnaround. 
and then they can get back to their show. So suddenly you're limited when a lot of the bigger, more well-written stories tend to shoot when um, when they're shooting their main show. So it's very hard to do all things. And I and that's why you see a lot of the movie stars not get um, placed into shows that are 23 episodes or 20 episodes long, but more of the 10 episode seasons, right. because right. that's a sh- that's only like a few months and then they can do other projects throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it, you know you really do with the upfronts coming this week and everything. You, you really do realize how much timing does play into it, and what a commitment whenever you do get signed on to a series, uh, what what that really really means for 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 actors and actresses. Right, and I mean, with Constance Wu, I can understand from from her perspective, she's trying to capitalize mm-hmm. on something that occurred which was pretty huge and could advance. But at the same time, honey, you should have never signed a multi-year contract like that, Ben. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, when you sign your life away, it's a steady paycheck. But then you're also limiting yourself because if it gets renewed, you're obligated then. So you have a choice to not renew your contract when it comes to an end, but you sign the dotted line. Yeah. And, just a, a good reminder for us all to make sure you you think and reflect before you tweet, post, or text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, yeah I ahead. mean, it also brings up the the reason why. And my mom complains about this all the time because she's a big This Is Us fan. Like she loves it. This Is Us is 16 episodes a year. You're not no more, no less. And even the way they they um air those episodes, there's a lot of weird scheduling that occurs. Um, and and what I keep reminding her is they have Sterling K. Brown yeah, on exactly. the class. <laughs> they, they need him to be able to do his other projects, which, FYI, he's going to be in the third season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, my God. Yep. Um, so, so it's just, it's just a matter of trying to make sure that you can retain the top talent while telling your story. And before we started today, you were telling me about how it got renewed for three seasons. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised by this. And no, this is us fan should be because when it first aired, it got renewed for two seasons. And the showrunners have made it clear over the last year that this has always been planned out to run over the course of six seasons. Mm, okay. So I think, I, I mean, NBC, good for you on unlocking it down, because especially Sterling K. Brown. Um, but you also have a lot of other people who can go off probably from the show and have a lot fuller fuller careers too i mean milo vanilla he's somebody who's been like under the radar for far too long if you ask me yeah yeah he he, he is and has and uh, you know i've watched a few episodes i'm not a, a deep follower of the show but uh it's always been entertaining when i have watched it and the talent on that show is amazing so for them to to lock all those people in for uh for a total of six years is uh is very impressive. Yeah, and this actually is a good jumping off point to get into our discussion about Doom Patrol, because I stand by my statement: fifteen episodes too long. 
It's get, it's wearing on me. It's wearing on you. See, I thought this week, uh, I actually enjoyed this week. I enjoyed parts of it. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand why they keep doing this with all of these other characters. Like this, this episode, we were introduced to Flex Mentallo. And on the surface level, he's, he's somebody who we met actually last week, but we mo- learn more of his story or his complete journey and how he's actually met people like Larry before. At Ant Farm and how those paths are interconnected. I just, I'm, I'm just waiting. It, it, it just feels like another, like, okay, we have to make sure everybody's on board with, with the plan to go get the chief. Okay. We have to, we have to make sure they're all like mentally there. Mm-hmm. And it just, I'm just like, well, you could have done that at the end of maybe a few episodes ago and, I don't I still don't see the need for 15, except for the fact that they wanted to do all of these runoff stories. And it's not as bad as Teen Titans. Like, no, (laughs) there's at least some consistency um, and a thread like one thread being pulled through. It's just I as a viewer, every time they introduce a new character, I end up skipping parts of the episode because I don't care about investing in that new character. I want to stay investing in the characters that I've started to get to know from the very beginning. Like considering where this episode's end ends with cyborg, it would have been more impactful for me had he been in the episode a lot more. But he, they couldn't do that because they were too focused on exploring Flex Mentallo's background. Yeah, but see, I think for me, Flex's background was more was a true MacGuffin for really exploring Larry. And so, yeah, I get your point in that we are in the 13th episode, and yet, and we're introduced to another offbeat character who may have a tie to the overall big theme of the season. Mm-hmm. But, but, um, but I think for, for me, it was more giving us a, a greater opportunity to show the evolution of Larry and negative, the, the negative energy that is, that dwells inside of him because that was whenever they were in the ant form early on and they're first introduced to each other through team in the app farm trying to torture Larry and trying to uh, get the, the negative energy being uh, to cooperate. You know, they basically use flex as a way to show how, and I know this, I know this has been dealt with earlier in the season with Larry and coming to uh, closure and acceptance of the to of the entity inside of him. But it, it, to me, it worked really well because it basically put the bow on that part of the story and we we've we've explored it maybe maybe it went one episode too long but we see now why larry and negative energy have to work together in order to be a complete unit and why it's important for them to do so so they can achieve this mission of rescuing the chief and in the last two episodes that that's a fair point that this is really the conclusion of it because while you were talking I was thinking about like we've had the Danny Street episode which I prefer over this episode 
that also had a lot to do with exploring Larry and embracing that negative side of him or that side that for so long he's basically wrapped up and hidden away. We had the um, patrolling Francis episode, which had a lot to do with Larry. So I feel like we just keep getting these segments of his story. So next season, we understand Larry, writers. Yeah, yeah. We don't <laughs> He's need a to go good back. character. <laughs> <laughs> we we can end the saga though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have to go back in season two to re-explore this because again, I, I think the way the episode ended, it truly was the the moment that the two of them accepted one another and I think negative well, I think more is neg Larry accepting negative energy. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, and so we don't need, yeah, it, the way it ended, we don't need to explore that anymore. Right. We, we got that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it also had a lot to do with Rita. Too, yeah. And a surprising turn that, um, again, we said it last week, Mr. Nobody, ultimate puppet master totally. manipulation. I didn't, again, I don't know what it is about these shows these days. I'm not paying attention or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was not thinking that. I was like, oh, I I was actually on the path of more like, are we going to see like how he used to know her when she was Rita Farr? Yeah. And and, like there, there was an interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, but instead we, we were told, uh, another story and I, and I like that story that she ends up telling about the baby and, deciding to place her career over it because when she heard that baby cry in the waiting room, Mm -hmm. that really was interesting in how she responded to it. And I was thinking like, Oh, maybe they're going to go into this whole other realm about how Rita Farr, she is such a woman, like in a way where, they're going to have that conversation or explore that part where because of what she is now, she can never be a normal woman. Like, and, and there is something about like my body is um, turned on me. Mm -hmm. And literally, I mean, she is elastic girl. She's disgusting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. Yeah. Whenever she starts to melt, it's just like, it is very off putting. (laughs) Yeah. I I wonder if they're going to bring it back up next season and explore it a little bit more because there's a lot of good allegory in Mm -hmm. that whole um, situation. There is. There, there, there really is. And I I hope they do. But, but I think again, this, this episode really in 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 many ways was tying up a lot of the, threads of our of our characters throughout that we've seen them in this journey throughout the season uh and because i think and and really focusing on so you know we were able to get jane's story you know a few episodes ago and we learned about her and they've they've made that conclusion now we're just seeing the after effects of it because even in this episode where she and cliff are talking about the underground and cliff still wants to be her friend and bring up the underground and, and talk about what happened to her and that, those kind of things. And, <laughs> and she's just like, no, just, just stop. But at the same time, it, it, it also wanted shows that she's still 
even though she's made, I won't say peace, but she's come to some understanding about what the underground is. Mm-hmm. She still doesn't want to go journey in, into that place for, for whatever reasons, whether it's, you know, the emotional energy it takes out of her is obviously it's a very, it was a very traumatic event. So, uh, you know, we understand that and we, you know, and they didn't, they didn't gloss over that when it ended. Cliff, on the other hand, he's just <laughs> <laughs> he glosses over everything. He does, he does. He's like the most tone deaf individual. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I mean, Vic's dad, is, you know, is died like in the hospital pot dying, and, and Cliff's like, "Yay, we got out of the ant farm." <laughs> well, well, it was. It's not that they got out, though. It was more of the fact that. He was very impressed and very pleased that they saved Cyborg, who's yeah. a known superhero, and yeah, they're yeah. the underdogs, and they came through. And despite everything that happened in the ant farm, he's just like, bottom line, guys, we saved Vic. We saved like, the, yeah, we saved the Justice Luger. <laughs> right. So so it, 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 I think it's hard for him to be like, but – but we didn't think we could do this in the first place. Like right. there was a discussion and we did the impossible. And yeah. so why, why not focus on that when all of this other bad stuff is happening? So I just love it. And also you only pulled off the C, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. That was like, yeah. I, The humor that Cliff adds to this show Mm -hmm. makes this show for me. Like, if you remove him from this series, I will be honest. It may be just a bit too much drama, drama, drama. Yeah. 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 That was, that was a great moment when she pulled the ass off. And that, and also whenever, whenever, uh, Flex was, Bossed in the world of the of the, the soap opera, mm-hmm. and they were having a discussion about the chief, and yep. and you know, so they were just, they were talking about obviously Niles, and then as Flex was thinking about, oh yeah, I know the chief, and and it turned out to be the chief from the soap opera that Cliff actually ended up being on. I mean, that was mm-hmm. just <laughs> and to show that moment down the road, and uh, it later an episode, and it, that moment where Cliff was. <laughs> Proud of his his moment, his 15 minutes of TV glory, and how he he was nominated for a daytime Emmy, which was again so meta about this show, how self aware it is because soap operas have that reputation for just yeah. So yeah, (laughs) so it it just brings a question. I mean, you're talking about how this episode it really did tie up a lot of the character arcs, preparing us for the penultimate and then the finale. My question is. Which snap killed Flex's wife? Was it the Hulk? <laughs> was it Thanos? Was it yeah. Iron Man? Because wh- whoever did it, they released enough energy that they cracked into the DC universe. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was Thanos. <laughs> was like the special effects department just rewatching Endgame multiple times and like, well, how so. do we make this dramatic? Hmm, let's make her into Ash. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think they were like, I think they were having fun, like the way they ended the episode of just, uh, again, this is how self-aware the show is. I mean, 
you know, when I with the the way it ended with Mister Nobody sitting in the uh, in the lounge chair there with all the merch, <laughs> with all the merch, yep, yeah. yep. How do you like that merch? Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that towards the, like, while he's doing his own monologue at the bottom, they don't give, like, a website link they totally or, like, should have. That to was a order, call now. <laughs> they should, totally should have. That's a total missed opportunity there. I just keep expecting Mr. Nobody to, like, kill off all the writers and, you know, just to, like, again, show how self-aware this show is of itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting. It's actually brings up the point that depending on how this season concludes next season, will we have a, will we hear a narration maybe from a different narrator or from a different villain? Um, Or will Mr. Nobody always be in the background pulling the strings for the rest of the series? I'm I'm hoping it's a a one-off. One mm-hmm. season, and then they get a new villain next season. Because I, I think this—I know you said it's gone maybe five episodes or so too long, but I will. I, and I disagree. I think for me, this this season has uh, now that we're getting to the end of it, I'm starting to see why we had those other episodes that that we neither one of us were very fond of middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, this is the type of villain that. I think can work for a season only and, and they need to have someone else uh, as their, as their nemesis in season two. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think it really is five episodes too long for me just because we, we saw Marvel on Netflix. They did 13 again. It was like three episodes too long. So, (laughs) and then we've been talking about Cloak and Dagger and they're always a solid 10 episodes. There's something magical about that number that brings out the best in these stories. Yeah. 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 I, you know, again, I, I can't argue with you there as far as, um, some, some programs do go way too long. Uh, but I, like I said, I, this is, it's, Doom Patrol has become one of those shows where it's like, I, I, I do look forward to it on, on Friday. And, um, and it's been a while since I've had a TV show where I'm like looking, I'm really looking forward to it coming on and, and not like feeling like I have, you know, I'm looking forward to watch it because it's fun and not out of obligation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know the real reason why you're thankful it's 15 episodes. It means that we don't have to talk about The Flash for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which we will. We will. We'll get back to it. Yeah. We will return. They haven't haven't lost me all the way, but there's been some moments where I'm just like, damn. <laughs> I, will, I still continue to not watch the Arrowverse, but I will this week, and we will see how it all ends and ha- share our thoughts with hopefully a few others. So be on the lookout for that. Um, let's switch over to Cloak and Dagger. Okay, sounds good. Viking Town Sound. This episode. So <laughs> where do you even begin with this episode? Yeah. Like, it, it's exactly what they, the promo said it was going to be last week. And, and it's, 
This show is just so good. It is. It really is. It's having a sophomore season that I have not experienced from another show in a while, so it's very refreshing. Um, because, again, who else forgot that Mayhem was still in the pocket dimension? I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot going on, and it's easy. It's easy. You can be forgiven for forgetting that she was there. <laughs> Thank you. I, I was just. Did you remember? I did actually. Okay. But I was wondering okay. how. I, I did remember that she was there, but I was wondering how they were going to use her in the pocket dimension, which the way they did was very, very satisfying and and made total sense as far as the way they have structured the season. Yeah. I, let's just focus on that part of it, the pocket dimension and everything that happens in there, because she isn't the only visitor. Andre, right. of course, is there, but Auntie Chantel shows up and gets pulled into this story as well in probably the best way where she, Andre goes to her mm -hmm. and gets a reading and she starts to realize who he is and what he wants. And he's still going about these headaches. Man hasn't appeared to me at least once in pain. So I don't know when these headaches occur. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> um, and and she reveals that, and we talked about it last, last week. Uh, I think I said he was a low, low up, but she actually explains that, no, he's on the cusp of becoming one if he figures out how to unlock um, the, the, and open the door into mm -hmm. ascension, which will, will cure the headaches, but also maybe do some other things to him that he doesn't know about. Right, right. So that's that's all very interesting and just just crazy. What what I'm wondering, Will, is that image that he kept seeing and he wanted Auntie Chantel to explain to him. We've seen that last season, right? I believe so. I believe so. I was trying to go back and see if I could find out if she, whenever she was explaining the divine pairings and and when it. If you did, if we did see it, either Avita like found that symbol and was asking Auntie Chantal about it, or uh, or it was whenever she was going through town when she discovered the Roxon energy pipe that was create where all the negative energy and was seeping out into the city. Right. I feel like I saw it. In those, like that episode four, when both Tandy and um, Tyrone were trapped in each other's hopes and fears, mm -hmm. and Tandy was running through Tyrone's house, and the, instead of the pictures being on the wall, they were replaced with that symbol, or mm -hmm. portions of that symbol, like... Like, I don't know, um, it is definitely worth some investigation, but... Yeah. And this is what I really appreciate about what's happening this season. It's it's making me think, did we already see that? Was the Easter eggs already planted? How is this all connected? It actually makes me want to go back and rewatch some of the first season episodes. Definitely, definitely. And it's the second week we've we've had this this type of discussion. And yeah, I, I it's been a while since I watched the first season episode, so I'm like you, uh, where I do want to go back and. See if there are connections and, as you said, Easter eggs that were foreshadowing some of what we are seeing now. 
Yeah, and she drops, like, I think my favorite line of the episode, which is all this pain you create and play with. Because I kept trying to figure out why why did they choose the record shop as his place to to go through people's memories, to break down their pathos. And she just summed it up in that line so beautifully because that's exactly what he's doing. Exactly. Yep. Like an easy thing would have been to do and make him like a puppeteer and have all the dolls and everything. But this is so much more creative and interesting. It it really is. And is, and also the, the use of music in this show was just so well done because at the very, very beginning, just to get out of the pocket dimension for just a second, whenever he was playing that trumpet, uh-huh. uh, when they were in the at the Viking town at the at the motel, and just to set that creepy, eerie mood of like, what's going to happen here? Uh, it was mm-hmm. like a, it was almost like a horror film <laughs> as far as setting mood and 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 to carry it forward that that use of the music and and the records and when. Whenever we were listening to Auntie Chantil's record of when we were learning a little bit about, I guess, her sister mm-hmm. uh, when uh, and her birth and how, you know, despair, despair, Andre was trying to use that moment in her life to, like, you know, work his work his powers. And she was just like, no, I see what you're doing here. I've been down. Mm-hmm. This is I've, I know my journey. This is not going to work with me, but also it kind of set up for her knowing that she's going to have to sacrifice herself to help, especially when she recognized that mayhem was there. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, and she, you know, did the, did the Dr. Strange finger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't come, don't come. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was just really, yeah, it, it was really like showing how she has always, and even like you know, carry forward from season one, how she's always been the one to help put the pieces of the puzzle together as far as what's going on. And so, you know, if if indeed she is indeed dead, I wonder if that's going to be the new role for Evita as as part of of this show as we move forward. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I I don't know if she's dead because she, because she also wasn't I don't think she was there when Mayhem came back in and started destroying all of the records. I thought she was. Okay. I, I don't because then where was Andre at that point? Uh, I thought cuz I thought Mayhem looked over and saw her on the floor when she was busting up all the records. Hmm. Okay. I I don't I don't remember I just I mean it was a lot going so on. Where there. was Andre? He he had gotten distracted I believe by something else. Okay, because I can see how he would capture her because he still needs her alive. Yeah, I don't think he would kill her. No, I think she sacrificed herself through some. I don't know if it was. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know if it was like the, the negative, the negative powers in the dimension or, or how, or she collapsed to, to take herself out of the dimension or, or, or what, but obviously she was incapacitated when 
Mayhem started breaking all the records. And Andre, I think, was pulled out, I guess, to deal with the situation back at the hotel. Hmm. Because he he wasn't at the hotel at the end of it, right? Right. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot we don't know about this pocket dimension, clearly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it was surprising when Auntie Chantel just managed to enter it without any anything. And I love her reasoning like um yeah i've been touched i'm like we all have i'm just self-aware about it and i know how to use it yeah. <laughs> which I, I i think really what this is is kind of a a um a train station i want to say of of just waiting for the next path and whether you're going to the real world or this other place where all of the loas are maybe it's just like this this in-between place um between these two worlds it is it is it is an in-between place and i think we we've seen it manifest itself in these three characters ty tandy and now andre in different ways so tandy uses it as a place for for tapping people's hopes Mm-hmm. Ty uses it as a way to tap into fears, and Andre obviously taps into it to uh, manipulate people's despair. Mm-hmm. And and Auntie Chantil, I think you know, given she's I don't know she obviously is attuned to this pocket dimension in a way that through her knowledge of the spirit world and voodoo and everything else, she's attuned to it and, and can interact with it. But as you, as you just said, and as she said in the episode, I'm very self-aware of what's going on and this is how I can navigate the two worlds. Right. Right. You know, the way you just said that makes me wonder because despair clearly is living in this other world and has set up shop, sort of speak, mm-hmm. which despair comes when you don't have hope. Well, Fear is part of that equation as well. Like it's a branch off mm-hmm. fear, mm-hmm. and that's what Tyrone. So maybe next season we will find somebody living in wherever Tandy goes to view people's hopes mm-hmm. and see a branch also in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, that that would be interesting if they. That would be really really cool if they did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this show is all about parallels. Yeah, it is. And, and yeah, I just, this was so well done because I didn't really understand. I thought I understood the records last week and how they all worked, but seeing how Andre manipulates Tyrone this episode through the records mm-hmm. and more importantly, seeing Mayhem come in and start throwing things out there and that, that parallel they draw between what she decides to play and what he hears, like, Sitting on that, 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 um, the trolley. Yeah. Yeah. On the trolley and getting surrounded by all of the ballerinas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, that was a great moment. Aubrey's smile there was, he just conveyed so much in that, in that scene with the smile before popping off the bus. Yeah. Uh, and because that was that restoration of that hope and that restoration that, oh, cause, cause Andre and in their, in their interaction, he was very convincing. As far as manipulating Ty's fears and, and despair and using and gaslighting him and using that against him, be like, 
no, this Tandy girl, she's 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 going to forget you. I, you know, I think that you tap pulled out the line. Uh, you know, when karma comes collecting, you're going to be the one left with the bill. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I think that he tapped into some of Tyrone's reservations about their friendship with a lot of what he was saying because. Even though he is a master manipulator, there's there's truth to everything he's saying to yeah. Tyrone and last week to Tandy as well. These right. these are really thoughts that are in their, their subconsciouses about who they are, what they mean to one another, and yeah. how they will continue being there for one another. Yeah, especially how they left. It's almost like he, he tapped into that moment and he really used that moment where they had that the, the moment in the park where it was all it's that one the thing you always sometimes hear in a cliche you know you don't want your last conversation with someone to be you know on a bad note mm-hmm. and 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 that's how it was with ty and tandy when right prior to her being kidnapped yeah yeah and he feels like she, he let her down mm-hmm. because maybe if he hadn't said that maybe if they did work together then she wouldn't be missing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I read, I was reading some of the commentary from other uh, sources and stuff, and I was putting together notes for our show today. And someone made a good point about uh, the, the the big bad, and 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 it not necessarily being Andre, but the way Andre used society as the big bad, because again, we've had this thread of race and gender and sex and everything come through this, uh, you know, the series, the last two years. And, and, and with, with earlier in the season, we saw it with, with Tandy where he was like, you know, with the, with the girls being kidnapped, it's like, Oh, if you, if it were, if these weren't girls of color and it was, it was you on these posters, the world would stop like it does whenever you have these situations. And then of course with Ty, he was like, look, you're just another black kid in America. And she's mm-hmm. you know, white girl of privilege and not, not knowing Ty's backstory, which actually he has a, a very nice middle-class upbringing. And Tandy did too, because I mean, her dad was, a, was an executive for, for Roxanne, but, uh, but Ty, Ty equally has the opportunities, but at the same time, and, and I know, and I know we'll, we'll riff on this here in a bit, but also how Adina feels the system is set up to, not work in her favor. Oh, I think I think that's absolutely true. It's interesting how on Friday I watched an HBO documentary about the US USA gymnastics scandal. Mm-hmm. And and I learned so much watching that and it made me sick to my stomach but because what they really hit hit on is yes, you can you can demonize this one person who is sadistic, who who did commit horrific crimes against children. Is this and, Dr. Na- the Nasser? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but what is more shocking and what is more disturbing in my opinion is the fact that people knew, adults knew what was going on and allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. multiple times different agencies a, a organization as big as Michigan State University who gets a title 9 complaint and it still continues for another 2 years are you kidding me right right so my point is it's it's not just culture it's just the way we humans can be in terms of how we 
how we try to survive in this world and allow allow kind of our survivalistic instinct get the better of us in just being a good person. Mm-hmm. So so it's just I mean, at times culture is the enemy, like society and the 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 barriers we build for one another, it, it always gets in the way. Yeah. yeah. And that's how despair creeps in or yep. fear ke- mm-hmm. creeps in mm-hmm. and hope becomes diminished because if you just feel like you keep hitting the same wall over and over again, it's kind of like, what is the point? And, right. and why, why should I complain if this is happening to everybody else? I don't know about that last part. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's true. I mean, and it's a very, I, I think that's why I think the show is really resonating with me this season and in a way that uh, some other shows don't is that there is this larger story uh, of trafficking and, and, and kudos to the writers because, and the creative team of the show, because you could have taken something that is a very real issue. And obviously this is a network that caters to teenagers and young adults. And, and, and it could have easily come off as very tacky and, and off-putting, but they, they handle it with a nice, enough sensitivity. And it's very clear, especially whenever we're seeing those scenes in the motel, as far as how these girls are gaslighted, how they are manipulated, how they are controlled to, engage in these activities mm-hmm. and, 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 and you really, it shows a level of research and understanding uh, about this issue. And even though it's done in a superhero show context and obviously Tandy was able to get out, um, it, it, it's still, you know, using her as the agency to show how hopes and stuff are still are crushed by the, by the trafficker. In this case, Andre, it, it really did do a good job, I think, of getting into these this un, this underworld of activity and, and show how the, these victims are being treated. Well, I think what they did so successfully in this episode is that it wasn't Tandy regaining hope technically. Right. No, it was her that the That's person. True. Um, Della, I think her name is, who, who finds her strength and realizes all of the lies that mm-hmm. she's being told. Yeah. And, and in that moment, when she decides to stand up for herself, that's when Tandy is. And, and for Good Tandy, point. yes, yeah. at one point she did want to go and escape on her own, but you also saw multiple times when she's thinking to herself, it's not just about me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's about getting all of these girls out. I can get out, but I have to come back. It's it's never been about just her, which reminds me about that exchange between Andre and Tyrone. What did you think about that line where where Andre makes a good point that Tandy has no remorse and in, and which is very different from Tyrone who broods in remorse all the yeah, time yeah yeah that's yeah i think i think this was tandy did not have remorse but i think 
I think part of this journey was to help her build some humility. I mean, not humility is the right word, but but it was it was there to basically I think help her. Because I mean, there were there are I mean. There are moments when she is very self-centered. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So I, I think it's fair to say that. And and I think she going through this journey and having this experience happen to her has opened her eyes to other people's. It has made her more empathetic. Mm. And because I don't know she also, I mean, she in this episode, she was one of those girls, but. Had things been different in her life, she may have been one of those girls a lot sooner. Yeah, easily. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, so another thing that I did not expect them to do in this episode was to have bring back Connors. Yeah. And and also like and we've commented on this before that the writers really understand that there are two leads in this story mm-hmm. and you can't have necessarily one. You can't have one a focus on one character without the other. So they're a yin and yang. Um, and it wasn't so much about Tyrone, but it was really delving into his parents grief about yeah. his brother's death and coming yeah. to terms with Connors because Tyrone in a way has come to terms. Yeah. Yeah. He and he just is looking for his freedom so he can get out of the church. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. He can't. Yeah, he has definitely. Made, uh, I won't say closure because I hate that word, but mm-hmm. but he definitely, as you said, he has come to terms with it. And I think that to, this episode with Adina and oh, and Connors in her house and cooking the crabs and. Just how that was all just set up. I mean, that, I mean, the episode was was good, but this 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 whole sequence, every time that that, that they came back to that moment, I was just I was glued because I just want you know it's the way she was just like prepping the meal and mm-hmm. you know Connor's was like I need to go to the bathroom and she's like yeah and and no and he's bound there and. And it's, it's a great Mother's Day episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. But, but you're absolutely right. She acted that, that story so well that it, it really, it didn't have as much action as what was going on with Tyrone and Tandy and Mayhem for sure, especially with their last sequence, which was yeah. marvelous. But this, this tapped into just just by nature of what they've set up with these characters, they can really delve deep into emotion, emotional trauma, yeah. which is just as intriguing for a viewer to, viewer to watch as a fight sequence is. Yeah. Even more so because you know that people actually go through this kind of grief Mm-hmm. On a regular basis. Right, right. And I mean, it was a, the psychological warfare between the, mm-hmm. the two of them that was going on. It was just her prepping this and work, yeah, and, and Connor's very vulnerable. And you're wondering, because up, up at this point, you, you're, 
you're wondering what his motives are is being so cooperative with Ty. And he had, he had the moments with Ty's father, with Otis, uh, I guess a couple episodes back, but it was never, it wasn't like this, this mother's like grief that mm-hmm. was being channeled through. And Gloria Rubin just, just carried that off so well. It was like otherworldly. Like if she was, you know, you really wondered is if she's going to, kill this man or or let him go or, or what's going to happen i mean it was just one of those like moments where you really did not know which way they were going to go with this and yeah i i liked all of her questions because mm-hmm. i like the questions all made sense by the end of it the whole mm-hmm. interrogation of mm-hmm. like where she started to what she was really getting at and then to break down in that way at the end of it and then I just I, I love when when actresses or actors do this, when in the single frame they go from complete devastation and have an emotional release to, OK, everything is back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. And she did that. And she it totally just did that, blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. Yeah. She totally did that. And just, yeah, I mean, I felt her pain and 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 also just answering the questions because it was always, and you know, whenever the when Otis came over too, and they went upstairs to talk, and then Connor's just sitting there and, and trying to work his way over to get the knife, and then you know, yeah, and, and it, it plays into the whole the whole atmosphere of the, of the scene, and so he's trying to hear what you know, because part of me is like, I wonder what they're discussing upstairs while this is all going on with Connor's. And and then he gets to the knife and stuff, which I'm like, okay, now he must be like, you know, ragdoll or something. If he can like some contortionist way, if he's going to like be able to cut it free himself with, if he was successful at getting it. But then he had to work his way back. And then, you, you know, I, I, one of the things while I was watching that scene, that was like, was like she realized what he, what he was doing while she was upstairs and how is this going to impact what's going to happen next between the two of them? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, but uh yeah, it was it was it was definitely well played I mean, the her despair and 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 also again getting to our earlier discussion about how the system can or cannot work and 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 benefits for for individuals and her talking about learning about how he was had was had basically you know, assassinated her son and and how it just she was trying to get justice for for billy but she doesn't think that was going to happen and you know she's trying to do all the right things and 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 it's not set up to work for me and it, yeah it was just it was just so many levels as far as again why the shows works so well and and into the overall bigger picture as far as what's going on this season um uh, it uh it, it, you know, it, 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 it definitely was one of the more standout moments for me in, in this series. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, um, I, I, I still think I prefer last week's episode over this one, but yeah. by like the smallest of yeah. margins. I would agree with that. And, and, and more importantly, it's insane what they're going to do next week. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't get 
like like they are really this portal dimension has become the best little little um narration device that the writers could come up with because they're really milking it and um but but i like it because like I said before, I always repeat myself when we talk about Cook and Dagger. I can't help it. But because we've spent so much time with Tandy and um, recently a lot of time with her being the victim and needing saving, that next week she has to return the favor to her friend and save Tyrone, who I don't like. He's now in the pocket dimension, but he's also carrying it i don't know how it all works yeah so I, I i just took that moment at the end he was just i think he was just tapped out and because he had one that was one hell of a fight scene where he like popped into one and then jumped oh. yeah came back out and like drop kicked that guy that was yeah. just yeah that was just so that, yeah, that was definitely one of the best fight scenes I've, I've seen in, in a while. Uh, Actually, but. this makes sense because from what I understand about these two characters, part of why they are so linked is because Tyrone needs Tandy's hope mm-hmm. in a way to survive. Right. So if she withdrew from it, he went through a withdrawal process, and that's really why he's suddenly exhausted. Yep. Okay, yeah, yeah. that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, yeah. And he's what they're in Delvin too. Okay, yeah, got yeah. it. Yeah, he's just completely spent. So both emotionally, like you said, yeah, things you just said, and so that's. But but it's interesting when he they did reappear after he collapsed. They were back in the church, which is sort of like their back cave. So. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what was wrong with my screen. I couldn't tell where they ended up. I yeah. was trying to make things yeah. out. I was like, what? I had to replay it a few times. So thank you for clarifying that to yeah. me. Yeah, they were, they were they were back they were back in the church. Always goes back to the church. With Always goes back. It's it's the Bat Cave. I'm telling you. Well, <laughs> she's back at the church. He, yeah. we don't know where he is. He well, he I guess he's sort of in between the two dimensions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely. But their, yeah, but that's their sanctuary. So, uh, so yeah, where the resolution of that will, what will, happen will happen there and in, in, in the pocket dimension. So yeah, next week is going to be a, a really awesome episode. And I saw some just some notes from the uh, from the showrunner who also directed this week's episode. I guess we're going to learn just uh, learn about Andre's origin and episode nine and so which apparently will set up for the conclusion of the season. I you got you got to tell that origin. Well, we'll see. I, I'm going to reserve reservation for next week um, because I feel like we've learned a lot about his origin story, so it'll be interesting what we haven't learned. Um, because hopefully that's really why they're doing it and not just to show us everything we've been told thus far. Right. Um, but these writers seem to understand that their viewers are smart. So. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, that's it for us today. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. 
And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome.